You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, turn to the book of Galatians. We're continuing our series, the book. We're going through all the books of the Bible. And this week we're in the book of Galatians. And so you've got Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then Galatians. If you hit Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians, you've gone a little bit too far. We're going to uh, kind of start in Galatians 1 and do somewhat of a flyover of the book before we kind of parachute down into uh, our specific passage for the day. So again, uh, Galatians, I know it says five on the screen, but you can go to Galatians 1 because we're going to do that flyover. Galatians is an incredibly important book. They're all in importance. That's kind of silly to say, but they're but this book particularly was revolutionary in uh, the Reformation. So at that time, the Catholic Church was abusing its power. It was selling indulgences. It was saying that you could buy your salvation. It was teaching that you could be good enough or you could be baptized for other people for them to be saved. Um, and so it was destroying biblical Christianity because that's not how you're saved. You're saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Amen. Is, is works, uh, religion, works, salvation, is that still very prevalent in our culture today? Yes, absolutely. I was in a situation recently where uh, hanging out with some guys uh, who I, I didn't know super well. Anyways, it's kind of a long story, but hanging out with some guys and uh, I accidentally scared one of the guys and because, uh, again, more context to the story. Anyways, I kind of scared him and, and he, uh, he knows my pastor. And he's like, oh man, I almost cussed. I didn't mean to. And uh, one of his buddies was Church of Christ and he was like, man, we would have had to get you baptized again. And like, I, I kind of laughed, but he was serious. Like he was like, his mindset was like, man, well, if you cussed, you got to get rebaptized. And what was, it's funny, but not funny. What was interesting to me was I'm thinking like, dude, that was, there's no way that was his only sin for today if he cussed. Like, like just to, to live in that mindset would be so terrifying and so weighty to like everything you do, man, you got to get rebaptized. You got to get, pray this prayer again because it's this works-based salvation, which is really not a salvation at all. I mentioned the Reformation. Galatians, the book of Galatians, along with the book of Romans, uh, many scholars, not scholars, um, historians would say that these books put steel in the backbone of Martin Luther so he could over and over again stand before the Roman Catholic Church and stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith alone. That we're justified not by things we do, but by the work of Jesus Christ placed on us that we receive it through faith in him. And so, man, if you struggle with, with legalism and, and I gotta earn this stuff, man, Galatians just wrecks that for you. And I wanna kind of do, like I said, a quick flyover of what I'm talking about. So just jump in and chapter one, verse six, listen to what Paul says to the church at Galatia. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of God, by the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel not that there is another gospel. So he says, what are y'all doing? You've forsaken the gospel of grace, the gospel of faith, and turned to another gospel, which is really not a gospel at all. Now, if you would turn over to chapter two, verse 15 with me. Chapter two, verse 15. It says, we are Jews by birth and not, quote, Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus, 
I want to pause there for a second. I got to speak, not speak, share a devotional at um, an FCA type event at, um, oh my gosh, South Plains College. And it was really, it was with the FCA, it was their, their BSM and they were doing a free lunch and it was room probably about 15 to 20 people. And these were a lot of nursing students, guys and girls. And I read that passage and I, and I said, and I asked, so keep in mind, this is like in West Texas, right? This is our people. And I said, have y'all heard that before? Have y'all heard that you can't be good enough to go to heaven, that no one gets to heaven by being good? And every single person in the room was like, I've never heard that. People right here in Lubbock, Texas need to hear the gospel. <laughs> that is not just, that's the West, not just. It's not by being good because you can't be good enough. He continues in verse 16. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Nobody. Skip down to verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and, and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I really just could have read the book of Galatians. That would be my sermon today. Like Paul's bringing it, right? If we could be good enough to go to heaven through our works, then why did Jesus even come to die? Like The whole reason he came is because we can't be good enough. Jump down to chapter 3, verse 10. Actually, I'm sorry, I lied. Uh, verse, line up here preaching. <laughs> uh, jump in in verse three of chapter three. So it gives some context that you've, um, you receive the spirit by the, not by the works of the law, but by believing. And in verse three, he says, are you so foolish after beginning by the spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? So he's saying, you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's not something you did. So why, Galatians, are you now acting like, okay, we got saved and now it goes back to works mentality. He says, no, you're saved by grace through faith and you continue to grow in Christ and become more like Christ through faith. Continue trusting Jesus, leaning on his righteousness and not your own. So he says, don't be a fool. Who's cast a spell on you? Now, now jump down to verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, everyone who does not do anything Everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. So you see again, over and over, he's hammering this idea, you're saved not by what you do, but what, but what Christ has already done for you. And he lived the perfect life and then died. The, and he was cursed on a tree so that you could come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. He bore your curse so you wouldn't have to experience it. I, I think it's true that even as a Christian, when you go back to a works mindset, 
it's kind of like you live under this curse again. It, it's weighty, it's burdensome. You don't have the freedom that we just sang about. Why would you put that back on when Christ has bore the curse for you? Jump to chapter five, verse one now. Speaking of freedom. <clears throat> he says, for freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. So he's saying he's come to set us free. Don't go back to this ritualistic, religious, works-based mentality. You're saved by grace through faith. Now, kind of building towards where we're going to be today, look at verse 13 of chapter 5. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. So he's pushing this idea of freedom in Christ. It's not about rules, it's about relationship. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Now, what an important verse. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. I don't know about y'all, I, I love summertime, love hearing the ding of the baseball bat, RIP Texas Tech, it's a tough loss. Uh, love, love good barbecue, right? Love going to the swimming pool, so many good things. Uh, if, you've, if you've got a vehicle that can do it, isn't it fun in the summertime? Um, or even if you don't have a vehicle, just go for it, that can do this. But uh, isn't it fun when the, we get a decent rain in Lubbock, which we've actually had some lately, a lot of decent rain, and to go find an old dirt back road, and like Brad Paisley said, get a little mud on the tires, you know what I'm talking about? Like, man, that is so fun to go and do. And if you know, if you've been mudding before, which I, I talk like I've done a, a lot, I've gone like twice, and one time I had our, like our three-month-old babies in it. Don't recommend that but in, the, in the car with me. Um, but when you go mudding, you gotta be careful to not start fishtailing too bad, right? Because if you do, you could end up on either side. What's on either side of a mud road? Typically a ditch, right? So as you're, and if you're, the title will help you if you're not sure, right? As you're driving down this mud road, you, you gotta be careful not to overcorrect, right? So maybe you're trying to get in a little mud over here and it could start to sling into the ditch, but if you overcorrect too hard, you could end up in this ditch. I think that's a helpful thought in thinking about the Christian life and really what Paul is saying here. So just, um, yeah, start your perspective. So the Galatians, their, their first temptation was to go to this legalistic, again, ritual works-based mentality of religion. And so he's saying, don't do that. Stay out of that ditch. Like, it's not that you lose your salvation when you start to kind of like think, like, oh, I need to be perfect, but that you're, you're not walking under, under grace. As I love what Pastor David said. It's like you lose the aspect of grace. You, you kind of forget about it and you get stuck in this ditch and you, you quit growing in Christ. Because as Paul said in chapter three, you don't grow by, oh, I can do this by myself. You grow through faith in him and, and, and leaning on what Christ has done for you. So stay out of that ditch. Don't go to this legalistic, legalistic mindset. And in chapter five, verse 13, what Paul is doing, he's saying, don't overcorrect so much that leads you to this kind of different temptation of just giving in to whatever feels good. That's this kind of the opposite side of the road, the, uh, the other ditch. And, and listen, one is not better than the other. <laughs> I think for, for people that have grown up in church, the ditch over there is a little more, um, it pulls us in a little easier. But at the same time, so many of us, and I, I think, 
younger Christians and, and young people may tend towards this ditch over here of just, well, I, I, man, you know what? There's grace. It's all good. I think about, I feel like when I was in college, in the Bible college, and you would hear guys like, dude, bros, we're under grace. It's all good. And it's like, but that doesn't mean you just like go and do whatever you want. So, so don't go in that ditch either is what Paul's saying. Don't, don't use your freedom in Christ as an opportunity for the flesh just to, to do whatever you think seems right or feels right in the moment. So don't overcorrect and go into that sin either. So, so the, the question is, how, how, how do we stay on the road? And hear me, I'm not saying how do, how do we keep our salvation? That's not what I'm saying. You're saved by grace through faith alone, that's it. He holds you. But how do we stay on the road in the sense of where we keep growing in Christ, we keep being more like him and not get stuck in these ditches? Does that make sense? So I'm not saying, how do you keep your salvation? You don't, Jesus keeps you, he keeps your salvation. But how do you stay on that road where you continue to grow and make progress in Christ and not get stuck in the ditch? Or more, do y'all ever do this? Sometimes I feel like, I know I'm mixing metaphors here, but sometimes I feel like I'm like a ping pong ball between these ditches. So like, I get really legalistic and ritualistic and then it's like, man, I'm free in Christ. And then I run over here and then I live in some sin and then it's like, or which is really just a different kind of sin. And then it's like, man, you know what? I need to tighten up. I need to be more spiritual. And then you ping pong back to this ditch. Anybody else do that? So I'm not the only crazy one. Okay, yeah. How do we avoid ping ponging, if that's a word, back and forth and stay kind of in that sweet spot of, of just growing in Christ? Maybe you could say it this way. How do we avoid or stay out of the ditch of workspace religion? How do we avoid the ditch of wandering rebellion. <laughs> How do we do that? Paul gives us a really clear answer in chapter five, verse 16. I say then, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. I know we're Baptists. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's get crazy. Here we go. <laughs> and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. Man, we could, we, we could stop. We're not going to, but we could, we could stop right there. How do you avoid the ditch of Workspace religion, how do you avoid the ditch of wandering about rebellion? How do you stay on this road of really growing in Christ? You walk by the Spirit. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> to walk by the Spirit. Well, if you go back to chapter three, we kind of touched on that in uh, chapter three, verse, um, really verses one through six. That you, So you receive the Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit by faith in what Christ has done and you continue to grow and the Spirit transform you by trusting the finished work of Christ, trusting the promises of God in Christ. And I, I think it's because of that, it's fair to build the next, or continue the argument, that you walk by the Spirit, by this continued trust in the promises of God fulfilled in Christ. Continuing to take God at his word. And, and with that, because the Holy Spirit is a person, not just in a, a thing, he's a person, you Look to him for direction and for empowerment. We talk a lot about empowerment in our world. Like the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you as a believer. 
walk by the Spirit. So I'm gonna take God at his word, walk by faith, I'm gonna trust him, I'm gonna look to him, even like the Proverbs say, not to look to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, that same idea of in every decision, in every way life takes me on this road, I'm looking to him for direction, for him to empower me to live the Christian life. So how do I stay out of the ditches? The ditches, I walk by the Spirit. And when I do that, he says, I will not carry out the desire of the flesh. When he says the desires of the flesh, you know what he means, right? So it's not that this, this body is bad, like I need to get rid of it. No, but that this, this body that we all live in is still broken. And so even though I've been transformed and saved by the grace of Jesus, I still struggle with sin. That's why like my, my buddy saying, oh, he needs to go get baptized because he said a cuss word. Like, it's crazy because, dude, you, you're gonna struggle till the day you die. So like, might as well just live in the baptistry. Like, if that's how it works, right? Like, just set up shop in there. Because we're gonna struggle all the time. He says, the, the way that you kind of overcome your flesh, you become perfect all of a sudden. That's not until glorification in heaven. But the way you don't give in to the flesh and those sinful desires and kind of the old way of living, so to speak, is you walk by the Spirit. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so you don't do what you want to do. Like, in, in case you didn't know, if you've been walking with Jesus for any time at all, you know this. You are at war with yourself. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God inside you and your flesh are gonna go to war together. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe a way to understand, I'm not saying this is that war, but like, it's kind of like when you're standing there looking at dessert, you've got this inner war going on. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been good. No, don't do it, right? Like, you're thinking about it. That's kind of what that war can feel like sometimes of whatever the temptation, whatever the sin may be, and, and you're longing, but the Holy Spirit of God inside of you is going, no, don't, don't go there. It's not good for you. It's not gonna help you. They're at war. So he said, how do you begin to win that war? You walk by the Spirit. Turn over, or uh, verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. We're gonna pause there for a second. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So evidence that you're not under the law, evidence that you've been saved by grace through faith in Christ is the, the Spirit leading you and directing you and guiding you and you being led by the Spirit. And again, the cool thing is we're gonna see as we unpack this is that as you're led by the Spirit, you begin to obey the law of God. You begin to, to live for Him how He wants you to. That said, I, I think He kind of almost... Like, you know, as preachers we talk about chasing rabbits, it's almost like Paul chases a rabbit here to really make his point. It's so cool. So verse 19, he says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. So what, what Paul's gonna do, he's gonna kind of camp out. Let's go to this ditch over here. He says, when you, when you live in the flesh, when you go into the ditch of wandering rebellion, that ditch is obvious. The works of the flesh are obvious. So he says, it should be obvious to you when you self-examine yourself, self-examine, and you realize, and you're trying to figure out, am I walking by the spirit or, I'm just be, or I, am I being legalistic or am I walking by the flesh? Am I stuck in the ditch of wandering rebellion? What do you look for? And Paul says, it's really, really obvious. What are some of those things? 
Verse 19, he says, sexual immorality. So this is, covers, that's like the New Testament's broad word for any kind of sexual sin. <laughs> Anything. Moral impurity. So no integrity. Promiscuity. So that's this idea of you can live and do whatever you want. There's no freedom. Sorry, there's no rules. You have complete freedom. You can do whatever you want. Whatever feels good, just go do it. This is, while homosexuality would fit under a sexual immorality, it fits under here too, this idea of like, they have this thought, they have this idea of it feels good. So they just say, hey, I have a freedom. It's my right. I can do whatever I want. Promiscuous. He says, idolatry. So pursuing, thinking about, desiring anything more than God. Something consumes your heart, your mind more than God. Sorcery. What in the world? <laughs> it's a word that refers to witchcraft, but I kind of studied up on this because I was intrigued by it. The, the Greek word here, it more specifically refers to the drugs used in witchcraft. And so they believe that, scholars believe that likely Paul is referring to reality altering drugs. So witchcraft, sure, but drugs as well. Hatreds, whether that's hatred amongst you and one other person or hatred for another a group of people or a race of people. He says that kind of hatred is evidence. It's obvious that you're not walking in the spirit of God. Strife. Strife is this mentality that you're always at war with people. No matter what's going on, man, they're out to get me. Man, I, I, I got to show them I'm better than them. It's this always, I, I'm, at, I'm at war, I'm at, I'm at battle with these people. It says jealousy. Jealousy is when you're jealous of what something, sorry, someone has accomplished or received. And maybe you don't straight up hate them, but now you're awkward around them because you just wish you had their life. This made me jealous. Outbursts of anger. You lose your temper and go in a rage. Selfish ambitions. It's all about me. I'm gonna do everything I can to, to make me look good, to one up the other person. Dissensions. The, the, those are disagreements that lead to division. Now I know Christians, we never have things like that, right? But, Disagreements that lead to divisions. Factions. Man, this is, this is cliques. I don't know if there's much in a church. So I don't know if there's much in a Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church that would destroy a church as quick as cliques. Sometimes factions are, I don't know, someone, I think an author coined this phrase, but uh, accidental alliances, you know what that is? So you go in and, Something happens at work or with your friends or school, whatever, and, or even family members, and you're telling somebody about what happened, and you're kind of like, yeah, man, that was the worst. Can you believe they did that? And all of a sudden, you have this accidental alliance, which is what the Bible calls a faction, where you've kind of broken off, and we kind of have this little huddle of like, yeah, it's us against them. We're gonna get them. This is a faction. is evidence that you're not walking in the spirit of God. You're walking in the flesh. Envy. Envy is like jealousy, but it's just the word is cranked up a little bit. The idea is that the thought of that person and their life 
makes you sick to your stomach because you just hate them and you wish that you had what they have. Drunkenness, so being drunk is an easy one. Carousing, carousing, partying, living it up, living like there's no tomorrow, let's just get crazy, which the reason I think carousing follows drunkenness is normally a carousing mentality follows you being drunk. And then he finishes, and anything similar. So if you're sitting there and you're like, sweet, my sin is not on the list. He's like, uh, just in case, and anything similar. <laughs> and anything like this. Th- these are obvious that you're not walking in the spirit of God. You're walking in your flesh. You, you are for sure stuck in this ditch over here. You're walking in the flesh. And he says, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I underline that word practice because it's such an important word. He didn't just say those who stumble occasionally and do, those, do these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. He said those who practice these things. Even as a, when I say even, as a for sure 100% born again Christian, are you still gonna struggle with these sins that sometimes occasionally? Shake your head Yes. And if you're like, well, my sin was on the list. He said anything similar. So are you gonna struggle with sin occasionally? Yes, for sure, for sure. Christians are gonna stumble, we're gonna fall. That's why 1 John 1, 9 is such a glorious verse that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And in 1 John, he says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. Uh, I don't know, I don't struggle really. I never get stuck in that ditch. Liar. (laughs) Those who practice such things, Oh, my friend, I'm being generous in calling her my friend, but my friend Holly says, everybody walks through the mud sometimes, but it's another thing to lay down and waller in it. I would even say, as Christians, there's times where we do, we're just wicked and sinful in our flesh. And sometimes we kind of get, we intentionally get stuck in this ditch over here and we waller around in the mud. But the heart of the believer is not to stay there. The heart of the believer is to, man, I don't want to stay in this sin. It, it breaks my heart. I know it breaks the heart of God. I, I, I want to walk with the Lord. So he said, what is the practice? What is the pattern of your life? What is the trajectory of your life? If you're all like day in, day out, stuck in that ditch year after year, do, do, you, do you know God? Because again, those who practice those things, that's who they are. They're not going to heaven. They don't know Jesus Christ. But again, he gives it to the believers because he says, we all do those sorts of things when we're walking in the flesh and not walking in the spirit of God, taking God at his word, seeking the Holy Spirit for direction, for empowerment, for guidance. So he's told us what is obvious when we're walking in the flesh. And then he told us what the fruit of the spirit is. So what are the evidences of when I'm walking in the Holy Spirit like he told me to In verse 16, it says, here's what it is. The fruit of the Spirit, some of y'all could sing this. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit is love. Not like, oh, I love, I'm in love. Love, like the unconditional love of God to those who don't deserve it. Self-sacrificing love. Fruit of the Spirit is Joy, and joy is not just like, you're always pumped and you're always smiling, you're always happy. No, joy is this inner contentedness in the presence of God. That regardless of my circumstances, I know the love and the grace of Jesus. 
I'm content in him. Peace. Right, when, you've, when you're at peace with God because of the finished work of Jesus, you can know the peace of God, amen? Note on this, I, I, I for sure recognize that there's sometimes um, chemical imbalance, like literal physical chemical imbalances in the brain that can lead you to worry. But generally speaking, when you're walking in the spirit of God, your life is characterized by peace, not by worry. So if I'm always fretting and worrying and anxious, I don't need to, oh man, I'm the worst person now. No, I need to consider, man, am I walking in the spirit? Am I walking in the flesh? Am I trying to, am I stuck in the ditch of legalism and workspace righteousness? Or am I walking by the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. Some of us on Thursday night at Joe Land were asking the Holy Spirit for an extra measure of patience as we waited for the log ride. And then afterwards when we were soaking wet. Patience, being slow to anger. No, that's the opposite. So when you walk in the flesh, you have outbursts of anger. When you're walking in the spirit, you're patient. You're slow to anger. Kindness, goodness. It's kind of a general word, but more specific the idea is that you're, you're generous in your relationships. So you have this generous spirit, not just financially, but in your demeanor towards other people. You're, you're good to them. Faithfulness. So faithful to walk with Christ, faithful to love people well, but maybe more specifically, faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gentleness. Man, gentleness, what a, what a cool word. Gentle is not a weak word. I think when I think of gentleness in the biblical definition, uh, this comes to mind. I think about my, my brother-in-law, Chris, who's, I think he, had, he must have Viking blood or something. He's from Minnesota. He's 6'5", 6'6", 230, and just solid muscle but he's the nicest guy you'll meet. I remember when our kids uh, finally got to meet him and they were about six months old, I guess. Yeah, about about that old, maybe nine months old. And our kids were even extra small for that age. Um, And Chris, this huge man, holding our our babies in his hands and they basically like, he just swallowed them with his hands. And he was so gentle in the way he held them. Chris could kill somebody, you know what I'm saying? He's the kind of guy, I remember when I was like gonna meet him and I'm supposed to be the brother and protect my sister and I went to meet him and I was like, oh shoot. <laughs> like, how you doing, sir? Nice to meet you. Things, yep, you're gonna take great care of my sister. This is great. <laughs> um, Chris is a manly dude. He's a tough man, but in the way he treated our kids, he was gentle. That, that's the idea here is that the way you treat people when you're filled with the spirit and not walking in the flesh and not stuck in legalism, but you're walking in the spirit is you're gentle with people doesn't mean you're soft. No, you're, you can be tough, but you're gentle in how you handle them. Gentleness and self-control. So you don't just live off of what feels good or what you think in the moment, impulsive, but you have self-control. Those are the fruit of the spirit. So we talked about the works of the flesh being evident. He says, here's the fruit of the spirit. And I wanna point out, when you're stuck in this ditch of works-based righteousness, you may not be way over there with these obvious sins, so to speak, but you certainly don't have these. When you have this, I can do it all on my own, you don't have love, you don't have joy, you don't have peace, you don't have patience, you don't have kindness, you're just a mean church person, right? No, get out of that ditch, walk in the spirit. He says, 
Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there's hope for me to walk in the spirit of God and to bear this fruit because the victory is not about me. The victory is about the victor, Jesus Christ. As Galatians 2, 20 says, I've been crucified with him if I've placed my faith and trust in him and I live this, this life in faith in Christ. So as I keep my eyes on him, I walk in the spirit and I bear this fruit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So he's just saying, your measurement for, for growing in the Holy Spirit, excuse me, and bearing fruit is not about looking at other people and, and comparing, how am I doing against them? Am I better than them? Or, oh, you think you're spiritual. I'll show you spiritual, provoking them. No, it's eyes on Christ, walking in the spirit. How do you stay out of the ditch? You walk by the spirit. What I love about this passage, and it's actually maybe kind of surprising, I think when you read it, slowly you get it. But as much as we know about the fruit and the fruit of the Spirit, and, we, and you should learn those, and it's cool to hear about those, the emphasis, the focus is actually not on the fruit. The focus, the emphasis is on who? The Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, not the fruit of Brandon. Been trying really hard. I'm really spiritual, guys. <laughs> no, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So to help us think about that, I've got a picture from uh, Paul Ritchie's house, our neighbor. This is their, uh, a little tree in their backyard. One day it's gonna be awesome and big, but he planted it pretty recently. I don't think, Carrie, sorry, I'm not gonna call you out, but does this actually have a name? The trees actually have a name? Nope, it's a fruit tree. We'll call it a fruit tree. Perfect. And these little tags here, uh, show the different branches that have been grafted in here. And like, I don't know exactly because I can't see these, read them, but like one of these branches produces, I think, nectarines. One of these branches is gonna produce plums. One of these branches is gonna produce, I think, peaches. And so right now, currently have some guys at his house still in this tree to put in my backyard because this is awesome. Not really. But that is such a cool tree because one tree, lots of fruit. We're gonna keep that up there for a little bit. That, that's the idea here. The Holy Spirit is the focus and he produces all this fruit in my life. The focus is not the fruit. The focus is the tree. And in this context, what is the tree that produces this fruit? It's the Holy Spirit. How do you stay out of the ditches? How do you produce this fruit? You walk by the Spirit. You take him at his word. You seek for it. You seek him for his direction, his empowerment, his, his guidance. Now thinking about this fruit tree and the different kind of fruits that come with it, what this tree needs to produce fruit are just a few things. And if you're like into ag here, I'm, I'm probably not saying it's exactly right. You can beat me up later, okay? But just hang with me. Um, this tree needs water. I feel good about that one. <laughs> I feel good about that one. This tree needs water. If it's gonna grow and it's gonna, it's gonna be healthy and produce fruit, it needs water. You know what I have not seen Carrie do? Though it would be awesome. You know what I have not seen him do? <laughs> I have not seen him out there with some tape with like a nectarine and he's taping it on the branch. He's like, you will stay here. Like, 
No. You know what I know he does? He waters that tree. He can't make that tree produce a nectarine, but he can water the tree and the tree will produce the fruit. You cannot make yourself today. I will be patient, right? And then you drive to work and it's over, like, right? You can't do that, but you can water your relationship with the spirit through the Bible, can't you? And as I soak my relationship with the Holy Spirit in the water of the word, he produces fruit in me I never could have produced on my own. You know what else this tree needs? Again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure it needs sun. It needs sunlight. So this tree, as you can tell, like it's the, the sun was setting. Um, and so there's a little shade getting thrown on it from the other trees. Don't shade. <laughs> Sorry. But it gets sun. Carrie has not built a canopy over this tree because that's a great way to kill this tree. The sun needs to be exposed to the presence, sorry, this tree needs to be exposed to the presence of the sun so it can produce fruit. Jesus in the gospels tell us the, whole, the role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. So how, what's good for my relationship with the Holy Spirit so I can, the Spirit will produce fruit in me and I'll be more like Jesus? It's for me to be exposed to the presence of Jesus Christ. The sun, I don't want to do the whole cheesy S-U-N-S-O-N, but like to be exposed to his presence. Just as this tree is changed in the presence of the sun, so are believers changed as we sit in the presence of the sun. And as we do that, he works in us and the Holy Spirit works in us and transforms us and produces fruit in our lives. Needs water, needs sun. You know, another thing I have not seen Carrie do, again, it would be awesome. <laughs> I have not seen Carrie go out to that tree and sit at the foot of it and he's like, you listen here, tree. Right now, grow me a plum. I wanna see a plum. Go to your home, plum. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not there yelling at the tree. Tree. I want a peach right now. Nope. I'm willing to bet occasionally when Carrie walks outside, he may glance over at the tree, but he's not rushing. You know, you know why? Because you know what that tree needs? It needs time. Like this is a little bitty fruit tree, but it's gonna grow if he's patient and it's gonna produce fruit. How ridiculous would it be if Carrie went home today and was like, oh, talking about fruit, thinking about that tree got me so mad. This fruit, this fruit tree has produced no fruit. I'm gonna go cut it down. I'd be like, bro, like it, you just planted it. Like give us some time. Time, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of moving metaphors here, but or two things. One, as a believer, it takes time. The Holy Spirit produces fruit, but it takes time. And time, I don't know if there's a better necessary ingredient for a relationship than time. Relationship is time. So what am I getting at? You got to spend time with the Holy Spirit. You're going to, if your Spirit's going to produce fruit in you, spend time with him. See, the remedy for works-based religion and the remedy for wandering rebellion 
is relationship. <laughs> That's the remedy. Spending time with him, soaking up Jesus, studying his word. And as I do that, and I make the Holy Spirit the focus and not, am I being good? Am I being patient? Am I having, am I having self-control? Am I focused on him? He naturally produces what I could never produce. And that is the fruit of the spirit. How do I stay out of the ditch? Walk by the spirit. So here's the question. I don't have any goofy or whatever stories to share with you. I just want you to consider. Which ditch are you in this morning? One is not better than the other, for sure. <laughs> That's the whole story of the prodigal son. One of the ditches is not, like, not better than the other. If, you're, if you find yourself in this workspace religion mindset this morning, like you know you're a believer, you know, you know you've trusted Christ, but you've kind of, as the Galatians have done or did, kind of gone back to this workspace mentality, I'm gonna invite you in a moment to just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes to the freedom and the goodness of the grace of Jesus Christ and to walk in that, to walk in the Spirit by that. Some of you are, are in this ditch and you know, it, like Paul says, it's obvious you ain't walking in the spirit because you got all kinds of weird stuff going on. You're producing all kinds of nasty fruit, bitter, sour, moldy fruit. <laughs> and the invitation this morning is to quit walking in the flesh, to repent from that and say, Jesus, I, I wanna walk by the spirit. I want my life to be characterized by you, not by me. I, I wanna, <laughs> Jesus, I wanna be like you who is, who is loving. Jesus, you're where the joy is. God, you're, you're, Jesus, you're where the prince of peace. Jesus, you've been so patient with me. You've been so kind to me. You've been so faithful to me. You've been so good to me. Jesus, I, I wanna walk with the spirit. I wanna be like you. So in a moment, there's gonna be some folks down front. We're gonna sing a song. And if, if you're in either one of these ditches, I would invite you to maybe just come down. You don't have to like go to your perspective ditch, but to come down front and, and just and just pray, God, would you bring me back centered, like centered to the cross of, of walking by the spirit? I mean, I'd love for you to, to come and, and make that come a moment with the Lord. But some of you this morning, you're not walking by the spirit because you've never received the spirit by faith. You've never, maybe you, you just thought because you're in that ditch over there, you would, there was never any hope of getting out. And the reality is there's no hope of getting out on your own, but Jesus has a winch on his Jeep and he would love to pull you out. Okay. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're in this ditch over here and you're like, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. And he's like, hey, quit trying. That's why I came because you can't try hard enough and you need to come to me for salvation. Turn from your sins, turn from your self-righteousness and turn to the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus for salvation by grace through faith, by trusting him to save you. As I mentioned, there'll be some folks down front that stand here that would love to pray with you as you kneel or maybe you wanna come, you're like, I'm ready to trust Christ. They'd love to pray with you and talk with you about that. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come on up. I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll respond uh, as God leads us. God, thank you so much for, for your word. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit that you guide us, you direct us, that we can walk with you, Lord, that you produce these fruits in our lives. Lord, I pray that we as a church would not be characterized by by works or by wandering rebellion, but rather we'd be known as a church that walks by the spirit, that takes you at your word, that looks to you for direction, for guidance. And that because of that, God, the fruit of the spirit would overflow in our lives. And that those around us would get to taste and enjoy the fruit of our lives because of you.
And God, that would draw them to you as well. Lord, as, as we sing, I pray that you would help us to respond boldly. And um, God, if that means just standing and singing, if that means coming and talking to someone, if that means coming and kneeling and just kind of solidifying down at the front in our heart what you're doing, God, would you give us boldness to pray and respond? Lord, I pray that at the end of the day, all of us would be more like you and begin to walk by the Spirit. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So would stand with us. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 